<clears throat> sons and daughters of God and, and that we are uh, saved and, and that is a glorious happy day for us because we were born in the natural we're born crying but in the spirit we're born in joy and so we thank you for that difference that we know that we are sons of God because we're born of your spirit and we have your joy and your peace dwelling in us so we thank you for that and we bless you for it in Jesus name amen praise God amen Amen. So uh, why don't we talk today? Oh, well, why don't? Why don't? Come let us reason together. <laughs> the devil hates you for who you are. He hates you for who you are. For who you are, not what you do. Who you are. Who you are is reflected in what you do. Uh, but, you know, he hates you, period. He hates you for who you are hates humanity because the Bible says that what is man that thou art mindful of him amen or the son of man that you would take note of him you made him a little lower than yourself or celestial beings or God and so when we look at the fact a man is created in God's image uh, you know we have something that um, the angels don't have you got me and so we're higher than they are they minister to us not the reverse many times people get caught up in in angels and uh, you know trying to get close to angels and all that kind of stuff but they are under God's command okay but we're talking about God's angels we're not talking about fallen angels but we're talking about God's angels are under God's command and so they are servants and they are are basically on call and on on service to the heirs of salvation and so uh, because of us the angels exist we give them their jobs to do many times and God allows us to be served by angels but we're not allowed to worship them uh, nor are we allowed to get caught up with them in a way of worship adoration or trying to make them equal to God and so Satan saw that God created man and, and that man was made a little lower than himself but made totally in his image. God, so the devil hates us because we're made in the image of God with a higher place than he has. And so he's always trying to get us involved in things that will bring us down on his level anything that makes man less than what God created him to be the devil is behind it many of the strategies of the enemy are there to tarnish our image we're never changed you got me we're always created for the same purpose we have the same potential the same abilities but if we don't have the right reflection of ourselves we don't see ourselves the way God sees us. We, we limit and we diminish our ability before God in the earth, period. And so what the en- enemy does is try to distort our image of ourselves in some way through deception he wants to tarnish our image of ourselves and he wants to put us in a place where we think we're lost eternally from the image of God like there's no hope for us uh, and many times you'll see people uh, who backslide and don't know how to be consistently serving God with this problem 
So this is a problem, folks. We have an image problem. God gave us his word so that we would see a continual reflection of ourselves. We'd see our potential in this 66 books of the Bible. We'd be able to see who we are. What is oh, okay. We'd be able to see and know who we are in Christ and, and be able to make the decision. Do we want to obey God and be totally who we are? Fulfill, do we want to, to, to take a chance to be and dare to believe who we really are and step out in that? Or do we want to stay doubting? fearful, uh, not knowing, allowing ourselves to have our image distorted and tarnished and pulled down to a base level so that we even doubt our salvation at times. There are many people who feel like they've tried to do things God's way and they just can't get it right. They can't master it so they quit. And they, they just, uh, uh, and, it's, it's, and it's an image problem folks. It has nothing to do. If you look in the mirror what you see is what you get. And But if you look in God's word, what you see is what God sees you. That's how he sees you. If he, maybe not in the fullness of that every day. And maybe not carrying out that every day. But you have that potential. And you'll see, you'll see uh, 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 evidences of who you really are as you step out in obedience to God. That's the only way you're going to see it. You're not going to see it sitting up, looking at other people, being critical of what they do, and, and you know hating them because they seem to have this and they seem to have that. That's not where your greatness is found. Your greatness is found in conforming to that image, to knowing who you are, to having it on the inside of you every day all the time without fail one of the strategies of the enemy to keep people in a distorted image is to uh, interfere in their their uh, conception birth and upbringing because our strongest identity is that we are sons of God if he can distort that sonship and if he can keep us in a deformed or distorted or darkened image of who we are regarding sonship, regarding your birth, regarding uh, your, your parentage, whether you were loved, whether you were wanted, whether you were uh, uh, planned for, you know, anything regarding your birth and how you got here, that's his first deception in distorting who you are. As you walk in this earth, God then puts you in his plan for you, his plan of redemption for you. It's not his, his will anybody perish. He has his plan of redemption for all of humanity. And so Satan will always work to distort your image of who you are. He'll do it. Many times people will start to get an understanding of who they are and start to walk in it and start to get a little fruit from it and Satan will distort and pervert their response to, to uh, their accomplishments in God. Sometimes people think more highly than themselves than they ought because of what God's blessed them with. That distortion will get you into trouble. Then if you never think you're good enough for God to use you and you're always sitting in a penalty box somewhere, that will distort your image of yourself. And so he works in both extremes, but he wants to hide from you who you really are. And so that's why... 
much of the teaching in the word of God has you reflect back on God how he what he's called you to do what you're created to be your potential before God the best way to know who you are is to go out and do what God told you to do that's the only way you're going to prove who you are you won't prove who you are sitting watching everybody else and being critical of what you see You'll never get anything. And I see I see over and over throughout the years I have seen people try to build a ministry on criticizing what other Christians do. You see, that's not a ministry. We a ministry comes from a heart of love and a ministry comes from an eternal purpose. And God doesn't call you because all the rest of the Christians are acting up. It's not that's not your call. You're not called to do that. You're called to go forth and preach the gospel, go about doing good, healing, delivering, all of that. You you're called to do the ministry of Jesus. If he ran into obstacles that had to be corrected, he did that, but he always gave the truth in love. Well, how could you call the the Pharisees snakes and vipers or or you know uh, Herod a fox and say that's love? Well, I don't live in the realm of love that Jesus lived in I'm getting there you understand what I'm saying but I know that he was full of grace and truth is what the word of God says I'm sure anytime he spoke with somebody and corrected them they fell under some conviction and knew the door to repentance was open to them you got me and so this is how God God used Jesus and he wants to use us in the same way but you need to know that Satan hates you for who you are. You you have to get beyond this concept that Christians seem to have this superstition that the devil hates them because of what they do or their potential or their gift or their this or their that. That in itself is a form of pride. And it's a lie of the enemy that he plants to keep us thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought to. Even though there is a place to know the true image that we 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 have in this earth there's a place to know that but you have to know that by the spirit you can't let any of this identity that you have in christ get in your flesh once it gets in your flesh it'll do damage to you and other people as well and so this image is a spiritual image and satan hates us for it in job chapter 2 and verse 1 you'll see how satan feels about uh, God's people and about people who are serving God. Now we are moving from uh, the way you're created in the natural into now if, you're, if you are putting your faith and trust in God and you have decided to serve God then there's a different level of hatred and animosity that comes against you and a different assignment of the enemy that comes against you. And in, in as an unsaved person, the enemy works to keep you from ever knowing God and getting a true reflection of who you are. See, your true reflection comes first when you get peace with God. Once you quit hiding from him, then you can face him. And that's when you start to really know who you are. Because as you face God, even as a sinner, you get an understanding. A sinner knows that if they have cried out to God for help, even though you feel conviction for your sin, there is a door open to you where that help is granted. And there's hope in that door. There's trust in that door. There's love in that door. There's peace in that door. And you get drawn to the Lord by his love. You're not drawn by, in, in 
when you're drawn that way, you have to come by way of repentance. You have to let go of your sinful life and you must have an understanding that that's what's standing between you and God. What's standing between you is your sin. When you confess that, you tell God, I don't want to live that way anymore. I definitely want to live for you. Then the door is open to you of your true image. What you start walking into once you get in that door is who you really are. And you get in there and you say to yourself something like, boy, I didn't know this. There's a whole different world out here. Once you're born again, you know that. When you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you have that same experience. Wow, this is a, there's something opened up to me that was never opened up to me before. And that is your image, folks. That's, that realization lets you know. That you are a different person than you were before. Because that, that uh, sensation of being into a world that, that you never knew existed before comes to you in its fullness. And you begin to understand that you belong there. You understand that, that that's a place prepared for you. You understand that it's eternal because it never goes away. It becomes imprinted inside of you that you are not the same person there's something that has happened to you there is a change that has come to you and it's never been there before and that is your new identity that's who you really are that's the image that's what the devil wants to really keep us from is from knowing who we are in Christ and knowing our full potential in the Lord knowing who we are is everything truth in your identity is everything it really is because everything that you do will stem from who you believe yourself to be what God has called you what he sees in you and how he sees you that's everything it's the same way when you, well, like with a growing child a growing child depends so totally on the love and in position in a family and parents and all of that stuff that is your whole world and so your placement in that family situation is everything to you you'll see little children jockeying for position if you got more than one sibling you're in a rivalry to uh, you like him better you like me I got to get mine. Why'd you give him that and I didn't get none? You know what I'm saying? That kind of thing. And so that, because that world is everything to you, you fight to hold on to who you are there. You fight to hold on to a good position in your family. When your parents tell you to do stuff and you desire to obey them, you are fighting to hold on to that relationship of approval from them so that you know you have a secure position there. It's the same thing in God's kingdom. Once you get in there, you start to establish who you really are. You feel lost when you first get in there because you don't know your way around. But as you look in the word and as you understand what God has placed you here for and you understand God, you understand his love, you understand he created you. And you look and you say, oh boy, there is a purpose that I've got a purpose here. There's something I knew there was a reason there was something else here. And so that world opens up to you and that world becomes where you live. You live successfully in God's world based on who you know yourself to be be in God you've got to know who you are there and so much of what the enemy does he does to distort our knowledge of who we are
He puts pressure on us so we're too busy to read our word. We're too busy to understand so that we lose sight of who we are and we go back off into the world as mere human beings. You, you watch yourself sometimes. You'll start worrying about things again. You'll start working real hard to get extra money because you want this or you want that. You'll pick up that old man again and start working out of natural power instead of acting like an heir. Acting like God has something stored up for me. Acting like I don't really have to work so hard for every single little thing. Now you've got to work and you've got to, God put us here to work. But work in cooperation with him. Work in understanding who we are. That we're working to receive our portion of an inheritance that's laid up for us. And that it's it's something that can't be taken away from us. So you don't have to strive with man and, and scrap with other Christians and fight everybody to to you know get to the head of the line as though God's got a line you know inheritance there's no line there and so we we have to to get beyond the 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 heathen mentality and the the uh, everyday understanding of who we are not to give ourselves over to pride thinking we're better than anybody but to know who you are and you get that as a reflection from God you must know God in order to know who you are The better you can know God and the more time you spend with him, the more secure you are in who you are. It's just like with your your parents and your family. You get your security based on the the time that you spend with your parents, the knowledge you gain from them. Uh, When they spend time with you, you get a a sensation of of, uh, love, that they care about you. They want to be around you, etc. It's the same thing with God. We get our security through relationship with him, spending time with him, and understanding how much he loves us. So that is worth everything and the enemy constantly pressures us to not have time for certain things he'll even get religious people to make up things like a minute bible and scriptures you can pull one little scripture out of a box every day and that's your time with God you know it's it's a time with a piece of paper it's not really time with God there's a difference and so we we have to understand that this world is is stacked against us really knowing who we are and really understanding what that means What does an inheritance mean? What does it mean to have uh, something set aside for you? How do you claim it? How do you use it? How do you lay hold of it? All this stuff must come to you uh, through God and through understanding who you are, what you're created to be, and, and to really, really hone in on who you are and yourself and, and what God's created you to be and your place in this earth. What's my responsibility here? Uh, what, what is God holding me accountable for every day, every month, every year? I give an accounting to God for what I'm doing with my inheritance down here in the earth. And so these things Satan tries to keep us from understanding. Keeping us feeling left out. Keeping us feeling like there's something missing. That we there's something more we got to do in order to qualify. You know, keeps us working, working, working real hard to be who God's already created us to be. So you work hard to be who you already are. And so if you just rest in the fact of who you are. 
and let who you are flow out of you, it's much better than trying to work to be who you are. You know, if you know what I mean. So there's there's a big difference and, and there's a there's an ease with which to live this life that that God only God can bring to you and the only understanding who He created you to be uh, will bring to you. So Job in, in Job chapter two we see where Verse 1, again there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan came also among them to present himself. Now he used to be, he's a used to be. So he comes, but he doesn't really come as a son of God. It doesn't appear it comes as an ex-son of God. And that's what he likes to put on us, this idea of being an ex-son of God. So when with iniquity comes rejection from God, you have to be separated from God because of your iniquity. And that was the first thing he wanted to place inside the man and the woman, is a sense of an ex-son. If you're an ex, that means that with an ex comes with you used to be, something's wrong with you or you would still be. There's a power that had the power to reject you and now you try to get your place back again. You get all the things that he's involved in. So he lost his first estate it says in Jude 6. And so he's always trying to get that back. He's always trying. So that's how he's able when people get in the flesh or Christians don't understand who they are. He keeps you too busy to know who you are. Read your Bible. Uh, you know a couple of scriptures a couple of chapters a day even. So that you can get a sense of reflection from God and you can get a peace with God that that what God's word says about you is really true about you you know whether you're living that way or not whether you're living fully that way or not whether you stumble and make mistakes with it or not what God's word said about says about you really is you that's you and so in in reflecting on that there's an acceptance of that and a rejection of the other so as you accept what God says about you, you must reject the other image that the enemy tries to put on you. God's not just going to heal you because you believe it. It takes more than that. So we get into works in our believing. Now if I listen to the word every day so that I can build my faith and I can better believe God, that's not works. That's faith. You got me? But if I, if I sit there and I listen to it thinking that God's writing down the hours that I put in, and now on that basis he's going to heal me, then that's works. So you see how easy it is to take something that is a blessing and turn it into a chore. The, the Hebrew, back in the Old Testament, when they would have festivals, everybody brought the tithe out and they were happy and they gave it and all this kind of stuff. But on a week by week, day by day basis, they, hmm, I don't want to give all of that. I'll hold that back. You, you understand? So easy to pick up that image. And, and the only reason you would pick up that image is that during the festival, everybody feels rich, everybody feels happy, everybody's generous because that spirit is guiding everything. And then when in the in the day to day when it's just you and God and you're by yourself and the enemy has a chance to put that poverty thinking back in your head, then you're worried if you're going to have enough for the week and so you withhold what you used to freely give to God. And so you think to yourself, boy, if I can feel like that, well, you can. 
in knowing who you are and accepting your identity as a child of God and an heir of Christ. And so he comes there and he wants to, and there's some important things he says about man. And so uh, in verse 2, he presents himself before the Lord. He presents himself, uh, it comes with the sons of God. He's an ex-son, but he, it, but he is also uh, uh, Lord of the earth because he can, he now, iniquity has come into man. And so Satan, he's the God of this world. And so he can come to God and accuse believers and accuse humanity and see if he can get an opportunity to tempt and to test us to see who he's going to serve, who we're going to serve. And that that's all this life is about. It's about the God of this world putting things before us and just to see if we really love God. Because his 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 prophecy, false prophecy over Job. Anybody remember what that was? Yeah, he's going to curse you to your face. That's what he says about all of us. That's what he says about everybody that serves God. So you take this away from them. This is why we go through what we go through. You take this away from them, and they're going to say, they're going to quit serving you. And tons of people do, folks. Don't get me wrong there. Everybody ain't Job. Hordes of Christians, you know, they get to, oh, I got trouble in my marriage. And they divorce them, and they never get the, they never get the ministry back the way they they ever thought they could before and so it's very very easy to fall into this trap but we need to know that God has uh, uh, an escape for us there's always a way in God where we can hold on to who we are and he'll help us and it's in, it's in this holding on to our true identity and that we hold on to God we know we belong to God like Job said though he slay me I'll trust him I belong to him I'm going where he goes I'm not disconnecting from him are you crazy you understand what I'm saying and so it's it's just that way so this is is how how the enemy feels toward us he feels that we're super privileged and he probably in many ways has a clearer perception of who we are than we do because if he didn't think there was value there he wouldn't work so hard to try and get us diverted and so but you don't have to take your cues from the devil you take them from your father God and so he says came to present himself and the Lord said to Satan where are you coming from he said oh I've just been walking to and fro on the earth up and down well we know what you've been doing while you've been walking there you've been trying to mess people's heads up Come and steal in my money and all that kind of stuff. Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There's none like him in the earth. Now, this sounds like bragging to the carnal ear, but this is really who Job is. See, this is what the devil hates right here, verse 3. God says there's none like who you feel in your name. You put your name in the blank because he's no respecter of persons. He said, yeah, my servant. This goes for all servants of, of God. Everybody who has Jesus in their heart and, and, and decides to serve God, this is how you look to God. There's none like you in all the earth. They're perfect and upright. They fear God and hate evil. Hold fast to their integrity. They don't let go of, of that easily of what you put in them. They're, they're holding on to what I've called them to do. And he says, and, and although you moved against him to destroy him without cause. See? Without cause. That's imputed righteousness. Amen? 
not do everything right, impute it by faith. You keep believing you're righteous, you're righteous, you got me? And you keep doing righteous things. Because the blood has been shed for you, that's a valid belief. And he says, although you moved against, moved me against him, destroy him without cause. And Satan answered the Lord and said, skin for skin, yeah, all that a man has will he give for, uh, for his life. But put forth your hand now and touch his bone and his flesh. And he'll curse you to his face. So he says, you know, uh, he's been, been challenged as far as material possessions. And, but now uh, he's going to have some sickness. And, and the challenge is he's going to curse you to his face. And he says, uh, verse 5, put forth your hand now and touch his bone and his flesh and he will curse you to thy face. And the Lord said to Satan, behold, he's in your hand. Save his life. Amen. So you can't kill him. This is what you need to know. The devil, you, when you leave this earth, you leave because God takes you. The devil don't kill you. You got me. You, 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 your work is completed here. Uh, the devil has no part in what God is doing in your life. Uh, you, can, you can have a long life and be satisfied with it. You have a healthy life. Uh, if you get sick, there's a recovery for you. You understand me? It's never unto death. You can live, live, leave here whole and healthy. And so uh, this is this is the way it is and so Satan went forth from the presence and and, you know hit Job with all of these sores and all that kind of stuff and and so it talks about uh, the challenge that uh, is put before Job you know at first it was his property as children that kind of stuff and then he goes through another test and this happens to people sometimes you think it can't go from bad to worse and it does it sometimes gets worse before it gets better but if you'll still hold on to God you'll be able to get the results that God has for you why because you know who you are you have to hold on to who you are you can never let doubt come into your mind about number one whether God loves you whether you're saved whether you're ever going to get better whether you're ever going to get through this is this ever going to end all this kind of stuff you cannot be in doubt about anything that God has promised you and certainly not about your identity as a son of God as a son of God son and daughter of God you have an inheritance in God you have confirmed promises oath and the promise confirmed by God his life staked on it that you can take to him at any time you have need and so you cannot lose sight of that that's got to be first and foremost every day for you reaffirming who you are reaffirming your identity and so Satan comes there and, and he is a son of God or, or perpetrates himself as a son of God. Now what does it mean to be a son of God? And we need to understand this for ourselves. More so for ourselves than, than for anything else. But the, the, the word for son is uh, the, the one that we see in the Bible. New Testament word for son is technon. It's a Greek word that really means to be a produced son or a dear son now all sons of God are adopted or created except one and that's Jesus he's the only begotten of the father so he is the true technon that word also implies the Greek word of uh, the Greek root of that word implies vindication and punishment 
And what do we know about that definition of son? Remember the seed of the woman God promised in Genesis chapter 3. He said he will crush Satan's head. Amen. Vindicator. That's what that means. In fact, Cain, when when uh, Eve named Cain, the word Cain really means vengeance or vindicator. So she gave Cain Jesus' name. Amen. When he said, you're going to have a son who's going to vindicate, she said, oh, here he is, Cain. But he killed his brother. See, vindication came through his flesh, not through the promise, the way God wanted it to come. And so, so anyway, but, but that word really means to be a true son. A son who is capable of carrying out the total will of the father to the degree of vindication. That's us. By adoption. We have his spirit whereby we cry Abba Father and we have the identity, we have the identity of true sons because we're made in the image of Christ. So when, when the devil sees you knowing all that about yourself, he sees that word uh, punishment, vindication, to crush his head, you better believe he's not going to let you know that about yourself. See, the only way he can keep you from acting on it is to keep you from understanding that's your capability. Huh? So he steals that from you and gets you to think, oh, you're just a victim. Oh, you poor thing. Mr. Devil, can I please have a little bit of food today? Uh Uh-huh. Begging human beings for a little bit of time, a little affection, a little this. Eh, keep you begging all the time. You don't have an inheritance anywhere. But we are conquerors. We are vindicators. We are warriors. <laughs> we are warriors. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm going to stop watching stupid videos. I'm telling you, warriors. You understand what I mean? We've got all the goods. We are heirs. That means we have all the goods. We're not lacking in anything, any ability or anything. But see, if you don't know that... And the way you know it is in the performing and the doing of it. If you shrink back from challenges, if you shrink back from adversity, if you shrink back from people, if you shrink back from being who God called you to, who he called you to be. See, that identity is missing from you. You know, sometimes you need to step out. You need to be like a, a all of the great ones. Moses, what's in your hand? A rod. He turned it into a snake. He said, pick it up. Oh, I can do that, huh? That's all you need to do. You need to try that stuff out. Just like uh, uh, Elisha. He saw the last thing he saw Elijah do, as far as we know in the Bible, is to, to slap the water and it parted. When that mantle fell, he said, this may not, better not be a bogus mantle I got here. And the first thing he did was slap the water. Said, it's still working. It's still there. God's got me just like he got him. See, that identity in you must be established. It cannot be established in your mind and fantasy, pretense, imagination. It's got to be established in the real challenges of life. That's why we're challenged. We're challenged to overcome. We're not challenged to succumb. We're challenged to overcome. And so God had these challenges for Job and he overcame every single one of them. Identity reestablished. 
stolen identity here Satan comes up perpetrating with the rest of the sons of God and God calls him on it and says okay what do you want I know you're here to test somebody you're here to to take advantage of somebody and Job then was able to to meet every single challenge the first one is challenging his own home his wife says listen why don't you curse God and die you got me people around you will get tired of your your identity you know she she even questioned him in, in 2 verse 9 she said his wife said to him are you still retaining your integrity what do you mean you're still worshiping God you're still not saying it. you're still not blaming God for your situation look at what we've lost he called her a witch he said what do you mean curse God uh-uh. You talk like them witches over there. I'm not cursing God. And so he went on and he endured all that he had to endure. All of his so-called friends challenged him. Challenged his integrity. Challenged his identity. Are you really a son of God? Do you really? Why, if you're a son of God, why is this happening to you? You're really going to serve God and he does this to you? Huh? And see, this is where everybody drops the ball. I thought God was going to give me this. See, what they're saying is, if God gives me something, then I'll know who I am. What faith says is, I know who I am and I believe God's going to give it to me. And if he doesn't, O king, we're still not bowing. See, you know, when you know who you are, you know what your role is, you know you're going to serve God, you know you're going to worship God. It doesn't depend on the goodies. It doesn't depend on prophecy coming to pass. It depends on your relationship with him. You look at the, you look at the, the uh, married people. In a marriage relationship, you go through a lot of ups and downs. When you're broke, that's why it says in sickness and in health. (laughs) The richness and poor, you know, the whole show. Because you're a husband and a wife regardless of your material condition or your outer condition. You're a son and a daughter of God regardless of your position in this earth and your material possessions. You're still a son of God. Just because if you might live in a country where everybody's poor, you can be content and happy as a son of God. And there's people living in another country that have all the wealth and they don't like themselves. You know, you can outshine them because of your identity. As long as you hold on to your integrity. When she said integrity, she really means identity. You don't curse your own father and mother and live. You have to hold on to that. You hold on to that identity. In Jude chapter 6 it says he lost his first estate. That's what happened to Satan. He lost it. A little book in here, Jude chapter 6, sorry about that. And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation. He's reserved everlasting chains under darkness, unto judgment. That's what Satan's. And so he tries to get us to take on that identity, that fear of God, that foreboding, that we don't belong. We don't belong to God. Oh, I could go to hell. All that kind of stuff. Where sometimes people who are challenged to maintain their identity will let it slip away and just say, well, I don't care. 
You know, as though they were never really adopted by God. And I think it's because they never really understood their adoption. If you understand who you really are, you could have this world's goods or you don't have to have them. You're still who you are. That's the most important thing about you is who you are. It's not what you possess. Prince Charles will never wear the crown jewels. But he, he, he possesses them. He doesn't have to go in there and look at him every day to remember who he is. He gets up in the morning securing his identity, I hope. You understand what I'm saying? You hope these people understand at least that much about themselves. But he says he's preserved them in everlasting chains under darkness until the judgment of the great day. And even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them. Now these are the, the, the cities that are under the influence of iniquity. So everything under the influence of those who lost their first estate will be destroyed. And he said they gave themselves over to fornication, going after strange flesh, that means homosexuality, are set forth for an example. They're in the Bible for a reason, folks. Not so we can say, well, God won't do that again, but say God could very well do that again. It's in the Bible. He said, likewise, also, these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, speak evil of dignities or or of celestial things or or heavenly things. Yet Michael the archangel contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, didn't bring, but he said, the Lord rebuke thee. But these speak evil of those things which they know not. And he says, woe for them, for they have gone the way of Cain and ran greedily after the Aram of Balaam for a reward and perished in the gainsaying of Kor. So these, all of these activities that it speaks of here speaks of people who do not have an identity in God do not know that they're sons of God they go after the things of the flesh that's all they know they just know the life of the flesh and know the works of the flesh and that's why the enemy tempts us in the flesh to see if we can forget that we have an inheritance we forget that God is our father forget that we are loved by the God who created the whole universe if we can forget the those things and count them as worthless and nothing then he's able to take us away and do what he wants to do Ezekiel 28 turn there I know we've read it before but we need to look at it again shows you who Satan used to be you get an understanding of his boldness and his confidence to attack and and to tempt people in verse 14 Ezekiel 28 he says you are the anointed cherub that covers and we know he covered the mercy seat he actually stood between Jesus and the father you got me so he was active in the the altar service so it looks like he had a priesthood or a ministry got me and it also talks about his music ministry pipes and and things that adorned him he says but I have set you so so he had a position that was that was his estate when it says I have set thee so it's the same thing Jude is talking about as his first estate that was his inheritance and he says you were upon the holy mountain of God you walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire you were perfect in your ways from the day that you were created until iniquity was found in you 
by the multitude of your merchandise they have filled the midst of you with violence so iniquity just continued to multiply and you have sinned therefore I cast you as profane out of the mountain of God and I destroy you O covering chariot from the midst of the stones of fire your heart was lifted up because of your beauty anytime the heart is lifted up that's a work of iniquity and he said you have corrupted your wisdom iniquity corrupts wisdom some of the things people say and make up that they think are wise is just you know as a child of God you sit and scratch your head you say you know what the whole world is going crazy little by little by little people all they've got millionaires investing money in ways to cut down our carbon footprint do you understand what I'm saying I mean it's never been this bad before it's as bad as it was when people were afraid of spaceships and they would commit suicide because they thought we'd been being invaded by Martians it's the same kind of corrupted wisdom that keeps going uh, perpetrated over and over by people he says your wisdom by reason of your brightness in other words his, his anointing was somehow corrupted We have an anointing that can never be corrupted because it's under the power of God totally. It's placed upon you. You work with it as it is. You can't change it. And he says, I will cast you to the ground and lay you before kings that they may behold you. In other words, they think you're all that now, but you're going to be cast down because that's where iniquity belongs under the feet of the sons and daughters of God. And he says here, you have defiled your sanctuaries by the multitude of your iniquities, by the iniquity of your traffic or merchandise or the way you do business. Therefore, I will bring forth fire from the midst of you. You know what that fire is? Same fire we see in Revelation chapter 12 that pours out of the mouth of the dragon. Remember that? That was spewed forth out of hell came from out of the inside of Satan that's why he's going back to it you got me and so that iniquity brings forth all the evil all the sin all the sickness everything that you see that corrupts the earth and eventually hell pours out those are all the fruits of iniquity and so he says I'll bring forth a fire from the midst of you it shall devour you and bring you to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that beheld you and they will all know they all they that know you among the people shall be astonished at you and shall be in you shall be a terror you shall, shall never be any more so we know that iniquity is not going to live forever it's not an eternal force and so when you look to your identity in Christ you are looking toward that which is eternal that which is going to last these material things and wealth transfer that stuff is just not for for eternal purpose and if you have the choice of how to spend your time and we all do spend it as a son or daughter of God understanding your inheritance understanding what belongs to you understanding what God's called you to do in this this earth and get about doing that because that is going to be eternal this other stuff is merely a distraction distracting you from your real purpose 
When the enemy disturbs things in the natural, you know, your natural livelihood, your natural abilities, your natural vision, it's all to distract you from looking toward that. You know what, devil? I don't care about none of that. I have an inheritance in God. And I know what I'm here on this earth for. I'm worth a whole lot more than the few dollars that you're trying to steal from me through this nonsense. And what's more, my father can get it back from me. You're no match for him any day, and you know that. And so I'll get it back sevenfold. So, But while I'm, I'm working on that return, I'm going to do something that's going to damage your kingdom, devil. And that's what we're called to do. And so he was banished from heaven because of his iniquity. Iniquity was found in him. Many people feel that iniquity is is the anointing, but instead of it being ministered out, tries to minister in. The anointing is not to minister inward, or at least not that one that was placed on him. Now we have an unction in the in on our inward parts that comes strictly from God that teaches us things. It doesn't coddle us and it doesn't build us up. You got me? You're built up by what you see in the Word. So you you accept that identity and you get the true value of who you are and you get a true understanding of who you are. But you don't use the anointing to reflect on how great you are, how good you are, you know, how perfect you are and how you do things so well. So his goal is to take as many down with him through iniquity. We've said that. That's why God promises to restore us to being sons of God. John 1.12 tells us how we do that by receiving the true son. We are replicated by receiving Christ inside of us. As much as he will let, we will let him live through us, that's how, how his stature, how big his stature is in us. Much as we can let him take over and run things, that's how big he is on the inside of us. The seed of Christ is in every born again believer. It's in every born again believer. We re, we and then we become sons through adoption. And God the Father adopts us as sons because he looks at us and sees the spirit of his son dwelling in us. And it's the true spirit. It's not one that's a little different because you don't want to be that kind of Christian. It's the fullness of him. It's in you already. You got me? So we all receive the same image. It's whether we we accept it or not. Do you accept that that's who you are? Do you accept that that's what you're called to do? Do you accept that that's who you really are? And if you accept that, then you can reap the benefits of your inheritance as a son of God. If you don't accept it, you won't reap the benefit. One of the 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 deceptions that the enemy or or devices he uses is to keep the word of God away from Christian people. You see that throughout the history of the church. For many, many years, an average everyday believer could not get his hands on the word of God. Or they had to accept it from the mouth of somebody else, their interpretation of what it is. And you see that tradition handed down even now. 
You'll see churches that people don't even buy a Bible. They come in and they listen to a sermon that they judge. They don't receive. And maybe thank God they don't receive it if there's not no truth in it. And you're not invited to read your Bible and understand the word of God. And study it right along with the, the teacher. You know that that kind of stuff. And, and so it's it's a tradition sometimes to steal the word of God from the people that come to receive the word of God. And so if you will receive the word of God. When it says that it, as many as received him in John 1.12. That's where it is. He came to his own, but his own received him not. So they didn't want the new identity. They don't want to drop the old. The religious leaders of that day thought they had it made because they had a system that took care of them. That's why they wanted to hold on to the old temple system because it took care of them. Jesus came with with giving away stuff and new stuff and miracles and feeding people and taking care of people. And and that, that drove them crazy. He upset their system that took care of them. And so it says in John 1.12, but as many as received him, verse 11, he came into his own, but his own received him not. But as many as received them, as many as, as many, God will take as many, he's not limited in how many kids he wants. He wants more kids than Michelle and Jim Bob. Huh? As many as received him, to them he gave power to be the sons of God. Hmm? And how, how, how do you do that? Just believe on him. Believe on, not historically, but believe he's your savior. He, believe you need a savior and he is it. And you, you accept that and you receive that and you want to live for him. You want that lifestyle. This is something that believers don't sometimes get involved in. You know, we we want to change the lifestyle of the believer. We want it to fit the day and age we live in. We don't want to look so different from the sinners. We want to feel comfortable down here. Oh, you got to accept the lifestyle. Jesus said, my lifestyle is simple. Follow me. Pick up your cross and follow me. If Jesus puts conviction on you from the, for the way you look, you change it so that you get peace with him. You understand what I'm saying? If puts conviction on you because you, you know, you sometimes not pay your whole bill. You know, sometimes you need to pay your whole bill and see how that feels. Oh, I feel peace about that. Well, this is what God wants me to do. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, these kinds of things. This is the lifestyle. This is what, when and you receive him and you believe on him, you receive his lifestyle. And he says in verse 13, which are born not of, not of, of uh, blood, nor of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man. This ain't your idea. This is not your, your call. This is not, this is not what you felt you wanted to do with your life. But you're born of the Spirit of God. This is a different birth. You can't want to be a Christian when you want to. You, you come in when you're invited. God knows the right time. Sometimes we want to get people in so bad. You know what I'm saying? They don't come by way of the blood. They just come by way of your arm twist. And so we have to understand that we are born not of the will of man, nor of the will of the flesh, but we're born of the will of God. And so that word becomes flesh and he dwells among men. That's what we're here for. We're to be his word made flesh. 
and to live among other human beings. We're to live right down here on earth the word made flesh. So they see Christ in you. And then they'll in in the enemy though will send devices to keep you from staying in that place. Of staying in that place of identity with him and staying in that place of knowing who you are before God, knowing your true potential. He's always diverting your attention from those things. God has plans to uh, get us whole again and get us sound in our thinking and sound in, in, in the enemy sees you headed in that direction and he'll come up with something to keep you back in your old ways you know feeling like uh, it's okay to be uh, who you've always been no God has more for you your inheritance includes a change in your character a change in your behavior a change in your goals a change in your ide- a total change he's a makeover artist you got me and so God wants to reshape and reform us and mold us totally into the image of his son we have the seed of that on the inside but we're not fully developed yet we won't be fully developed until we see him face to face the bible says that it says when we see him we'll be like him because we'll see him as he really is we get glimpses of glory now we get glimpses of that man if we were all 100 percent there you'd have Detroit saved in a heartbeat but we get glimpses of it and we submit to God's uh, uh, changing us and is molding us and is shaping us and he does that in so many different ways you know you think you're escaping challenges and, and then you look and your slip falls into your foot falls into a snare and there you are whoops <laughs> there I am you know wondering God how did this happen what do I need to do how do I need to um, he said you better get close to me you get in there and see who you are oh yeah I have an inheritance in you well God please help me conform me so that I could receive more of you and and not stumble so much as I walk through this life so we receive the son we are adopted as sons so as many as received him he gave them the power to be sons of God or permission or privilege to become the sons of God as many as believe so there's no limit you don't have to be like the Jehovah's Witnesses who wonder how many of that 144,000 there in. you understand what I'm saying stupid stuff just worldly wisdom corrupted wisdom instead of the wisdom of God in Romans 8 14 it tells you further who the real sons are you find yourself being led astray you get back being led by the spirit of God how do I know I know <laughs> sons and daughters know it says my sheep know my voice they definitely know my leading you know by the results you know by the fruit many times if you make a misstep, you know how to repent and get back over in the right steps again. He says, as many as are led by the Spirit, this is something you got to submit to and you got to want. You got to want to obey God. And it's not just the dead letter, but it is the Spirit. It's what's planted in your heart. What God puts in your heart to do. That's what you're led by. When we're led by the Spirit, we are the sons of God. Satan does not qualify anymore to be a son of God. And he knows it because he can't be led by the Spirit of God. He's been refused eternally. So he can't be back again. So he doesn't qualify. 
in Galatians 4 and verse 6. How do you know you're a son of God? Galatians 4. In verse 6, he says, And because you are sons, God has sent forth his... You got a confirmation of your sonship on the inside of you. Because you're comfortable in your spirit calling God Father. Your spirit man knows he's your father. And you can treat him like a father. You can expect him to be your father. It's your righteous expectation that he is your father and you have that spirit of adoption in you where you finally settle on what you're going to call him. You know how sometimes in families where, uh, well I know it from being married, I didn't know what to call my in-laws. You know, and uh, my mother-in-law wanted to be called mom, but I had a mother already. You know, and so it was, you know, what do we do here? I don't want to insult my mother. I got a mother. There's only one person has that place in my life. You know, it's, and so it, it's sometimes a challenge when you have a new identity to know how to relate. And, and I had that when I was a new Christian. Well, how do I pray? I, I could pray to, to. I know I could pray to Jesus because I know Him. He saved me. You know, He's He's the one that that you receive. He's close to you. But it took me a while to get comfortable calling God Father, huh? Because I didn't understand what adoption really meant. When you understand adoption means you're chosen. See, I thought God saved me because I found him. And I didn't know that he drew me to himself. He wanted me all along. And that was the place that I was really supposed to be. And so when God created the man and the woman before the fall, they were his children they were sons and daughters of God and they knew it when you come into sin that identity gets stolen from you and you have no you're lost that's why the Bible tells us calls it being lost but we weren't lost eternally so when you're when you come back into your identity you have to accept everything by faith you have to believe that you're adopted. You have to believe in that adoption that you're wanted. You have to believe you were wanted from, by God from the beginning and you were stolen away. Somebody kidnapped you from your rightful father and your rightful inheritance and now he's found you and brought you back again. That's what really happened to us. It wasn't your idea to get quote unquote saved. Most of us were just begging for help. And, it, and help was, we needed big help. We need bigger help than we knew. And so when you, when you are come to the end of your, your carnal life, the help is to be adopted again. It's not just to be saved. It's not just to have you know, something happen to you where you feel better. You get back to your original estate. Everything gets restored to you. You're, you're receiving restoration every day. I receive, I'm more restored today than I ever was. I don't want to be back where I was 10 years ago or 20 years, 15, even last year. I want to be more restored and more secure in my identity in Christ than I ever was. See, this is what this is part of what what your inheritance is. It's it's the inner man being renewed day by day. 
coming into the newness and more of the newness receiving more of your inheritance day by day you're richer now than you ever were in Christ because you've grown into your you before you were a child now you're growing into adulthood in him and you're you've received more of your inheritance you got you're richer now in the things of God than you've ever been you you're not diminished at all you you've been obedient to God and doing what you're supposed to do you're richer than you've ever been in him you have more to offer to everybody around you to the earth to 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 humanity you know to your dog or your cat you you're richer to everything than you you ever have been and we'll be richer in the future too just keep walking with god so when we're led by the spirit of god we're the sons of god sons obey the father sons follow the father Satan doesn't qualify anymore because he doesn't have the spirit of god anymore and he got iniquity he got what he wanted Galatians 4 6 says we have the spirit of adoption that's so important when you can call God father and have peace about it extremely important extremely important that with that comes knowing you were desired you were wanted you've been planned for you're you're not rejected you're nobody's accident you don't you don't feel uncomfortable because you're despised you know by natural parents i mean come on now we've had all kinds of experiences you know we've fallen people birth and fallen people and it's getting worse in the world you think it's bad enough that's why people can just go and live on the street and not think anything of it they can sleep on the street and eat out of a garbage can and not think anything of it because of their image of themselves is that they are worth that they're worth not having a home worth being by themselves worth and say they don't want it you got me it'll take a miracle to convert people to get them to understand who they really are because of where the enemy pulls them down to and don't get me wrong there's a lower there's a lower floor to this elevator that Satan can take people to. Always a lower place he can take them to. And he wants to take them there. So we have the spirit of adoption. We know we're wanted. We know we have a home. We know we have an eternal home. We know we have help. We know we can call for anything that we need. And we know it will be answered. It will be done for us and it will be given to us. Philippians 2.15 tells us that our, as sons we are blameless. Because guess what? When we do wrong somebody else took the blame for us. Doesn't mean we do everything right. Don't get it twisted. Somebody else took the blame. He says verse 5 Philippians 2.15 that you may be blameless and harmless the sons of God sons of God are blameless and harmless without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation you'll shine as lights in the world that's us that's us that's sons and daughters of God and holding forth the word of life that's how you do it that's how you stay uh, blameless and, and, and uh, uh, harmless in the world you hold forth the word of light you, you stay in the life of God you stay representing God you stay doing what God called you to do and you know you have eternal purpose here so you, your labor is not in vain you don't do all of this life in vain because there's a great reward for that they're blameless and harmless that's righteousness you're the righteous sons of God sons and daughters of God 
First John three. First John three. I think it's verse one. Good Lord, I just stepped all over it. <laughs> First John three one it says, "Behold, what manner! Look at this." That's what he's saying. Check this out. What manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. That's the ultimate of love is adoption. You know, I I can remember being a kid and there were some some kids you wanted you liked you liked their mother or you liked how their house looked or you liked how their house smelled and you said boy if I could if I could just be over in this house if she could be my mother and you know there was a we had a neighbor her name was Lucy and she always looked pretty to me and I said I want Miss Lucy to be my mama well you know I live with my mother every day so I saw her looking good looking bad you you take things for granted but but Miss Lucy looked looked nice my mother heard me say that one time she said shut your mouth girl you can go down there and live if you want to Miss Lucy ain't gonna go you know that kind of thing But you you want to be that there's a great love that that you would be called a son or a daughter you know that that would have been the ultimate for me to be Miss Lucy's daughter so forth and so on but any but you know I didn't want to live in her house they had a crazy house down there he says therefore to be called the sons of God therefore the world knows us not because it knew him not so the world's going to be confused totally confused by you folk. Don't ever lose who you are so much that you will bow to try and be accepted by people. Whether they're Christian people, sinner people, I don't care who they are. If you obey God and you do what's right and you treat men right before God, you'll be accepted. You'll have a spirit of acceptance upon you that the world, it won't be made better by people and it won't be diminished when people don't like you you understand who I am because you have such an understanding of your identity in God that it's not affected by things of this temporal realm you got me it, it'll be it'll be preserved for you your identity is preserved your relationship with God your contentment is preserved your peace is preserved all of that is preserved because of who you are you know that you're wanted by God you know you're adopted by God and the world cannot change that it cannot change that whenever the world tries to attack you because of, of how you serve God or what you believe and all that kind of stuff uh, you who you are and knowing who you are that'll hold you up see that'll that'll be your defense that'll be your help that'll be your refuge and your hiding place you hide in him you hide in in the greater one who can who can help you to stay established in your identity and can help you to keep from falling into the pressures that are put upon people when they live on this earth so so we know the manner of love that God has for us 
He says, Beloved, now we are the sons of God. And it doesn't yet appear what we shall be. So you're in the making still, folks. Don't ever forget you're in the making. Don't ever be resistant to pray about things that come up. To find out if there's a better way to do it or a better way to see it. Or or if God has something else to show you. Don't get so stuck in your so-called spiritual ways that you don't see that you're being molded and shaped still in in the image of Christ. He says, but when he shall appear, we shall see him for be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And so we we see Jesus in another form most of the time while we're here on this earth. We see him in the form of the poor. We see him in the form of of the prisoner, and so forth and so on. And 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 so we'll see him as he really is, and we'll be like him one day, totally like him, totally conformed. But but this world and the challenges of this world come to conform us to his image and not to be conformed to the image of the world we're to be transformed and just let our minds be renewed in in who we are receive the wisdom of God receive the answers of God receive the strategies of God so that we can live a life that God approves of not man but God so we shall see him as he really is and receive a revelation of Christ so as heirs what does that word mean? We're heirs. Yeah, we are heirs. <clears throat> it means <clears throat> that we are positioned for wealth. We are positioned for being cared for. To be heirs means to be justified. And to have uh, a, a life laid up for us. We have a lifestyle that's already prescribed by God. We have a, a life's work and a purpose that's already laid out for us. So really to be an heir means to have a plan and a purpose for your life that is pre-established. You're not trying to figure it out as you go. You're not making it up and you don't have to come up with anything wonderful smart or brilliant it's already been selected for you and that's such that should take a weight off of everybody's shoulders it's just to find your purpose in God he's equipped you to handle it you're conformed to his image you, you know that you can go to your father you have relationship with him everything's set out for you everything's laid out for you it's a, it's a preordained life you're foreordained to do these things you're predestined to do these things so being an heir means to be predestined in all things in God Romans 8:12 it says that we are if we are sons then we are heirs and we are heirs of all things life godliness this world's goods as we need them as they're distributed to us by the Father, nobody can get ahead of himself in his inheritance. Is it not an inheritance of flesh and blood? It's inheritance by the Spirit. So there's nothing that can come in and corrupt your inheritance in God. You don't have to be afraid of God blessing your life uh, as it comes into your hand. If you can't manage it, he'll get you help with that. All of the things that you need as an heir, God has already given to you. We inherit the faith of our father Abraham. 
Galatians 3.29. We are heirs of our father's faith. That is so important. It's a faith that, that takes us through this natural life. And we're heirs of the faith of the Son of God. So we have supernatural faith. The inheritance is natural and supernatural. So it commands both realms. Titus 3.7 tells us that we are justified by faith. As long as you hold on to the word of life. As long as you hold on to believing God. The only thing Satan can do with the faith of God is fight it. He can't have it. He can't use it. So he must fight it. So he fights it based on hating who you are. Hebrews 1.14 tells us that heirs have angelic protection. You inherit the protection of angels. Satan has his one-third, but God has his two-thirds. Two-thirds in the hand of an almighty God is much more powerful than one-third. You know what I'm saying? You know, you may think the odds are just two to one, but it's not that way. Because the devil fights in a realm that, that leads to nothing. God confounds his plans, his thoughts. The wisest thought of a person in the world is stupidity to God. So it, it comes down like that. And it says in Hebrews 1, 14, 13, But to which of the angels said he at any time, Sit on my right hand till I make thine enemies my footstool. So you see sonship has a higher order than angelic. He says, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who will be the heirs of salvation? And so angels are servants to us, sent by God. Not under our command or authority, but God knows what we need. And he sends angelic help to fill in where we need that. First Peter 2.9 sums up who we are who God, how God sees us who are we it says here that we are a chosen generation we're royal priesthood a holy nation a peculiar people and our job is to show forth the praises and we need to understand fully what that is what's going to bring praise and glory to God anything you do under the spirit of God Anything you do in obedience to God. That's what we're to show forth. We're to demonstrate. We're to show God off down here on the earth. We're to be a demonstration of who he is. And to know that we're called out of darkness into his marvelous light. Satan wants to keep us in darkness. Wants to pull us back in the shadows again. Wants to keep us uh, in, in a, a place of not knowing who we are. Keep us out of the light of God. A chosen generation, that word chosen means we are favorite, we are elect and selected. Whenever you start feeling like nobody loves you, you got me? You know that's a lie. You, I'm not going back in that dark hole again. God brought me out. I know I was selected by God. I wasn't thinking about God was my answer to my situation and I know he chose me. 
the word generation means a kind of offspring we're somebody that's indescribable just like God is indescribable generation also means a nation to be born of a different country heaven try that one we are people chosen to come into being we are select beings and we are of a desired different class not Martians you know what I'm saying with distorted and and ugly and all that we are of a chosen class and selected and desired the royal nation means that we are of a kingly nature and not pretending or unselected so we're not pretenders to the throne we actually have a kingly nature on the inside of us our sovereign nature is the foundation of our power so our power is from God and answerable only to God remember Jesus when Peter said uh, you know they're bugging us about bugging me about us paying taxes and Jesus gave him a parable he says he said who who owes taxes he says the foreigners are or the children and he said the foreigners and he said then the children are free right children are free of paying taxes he said but just so we don't offend anybody just so we don't offend anybody see we live this life on this earth as heirs to much higher power but we subject ourselves to the laws here so we don't offend anybody but when it comes down to taking a stand for the higher power or Caesar's power choose God you got me so you don't go around not paying your taxes telling the government you don't have to you pay them so you don't offend you know you don't have to you know God could bring a fish with money in its mouth and pay that for you or erase your name from the internal revenue rolls or something to get you out of it but you pay so you don't offend in other words you don't run afoul of the law that's why you obey the law down here you know Christians get stupid sometimes we think we can run stop signs and and believe angels will be there for us you know I've heard some weird stories from, from people that get that twisted we're a holy nation when you're holy you're without blame so that means you're without blame to God and to Caesar Jesus said give Caesar what's his and give God what's his you gotta know who belongs to who to holy though means to be set apart it also means the hand of God is on you his hand is upon you it means to be which means he's guiding you and empowering you as you go and directing you you're on a mission set by him we're born of the Holy Spirit we're that kind of a race of people we're blameless which means the one who took the blame took the blame for us peculiar really means that you are an acquired thing the word peculiar Um, the root of it in Greek really means wealth it means to be shut up it means to be a treasure or jewel people would keep things tucked away and call it peculiar so that's us it also means to be obtained purchased possession and acquisition so we're a purchased possession of God acquired by God a laid up treasure of God and stored away by him 
And so many times people won't know the real you until that treasure is open. You got me? It's in an earthen vessel. And so people leaves us, God leaves us in this earth as his undercover prized possession. Royal, we can stand before him and we have authority over every natural government here. Don't ever play your prayers as small prayers. If there's a government and God says it's got to come down, it comes down. He'll use anybody he, he needs to, to do it. You know, he'll use natural. And he'll. we talked about that yesterday with deliverers. There are spiritual, natural, and sometimes they overlap. Any any president that, that stands up in a country that's a Christian is overlapping both areas. You know, they can hear from God and direct their words to benefit according to the will of God. And they have every level of divine protection that's ever been given to anybody that served God, even in that office. Ronald Reagan got shot and, you know, he was sitting in the back of the seat of the the, uh, limousine cracking jokes. And they didn't even know he had a a bullet in his lungs almost till he got to the hospital. He started complaining he couldn't breathe real well. When the uh, surgeon came in and they took x-rays and they saw what was going on, they were shocked. A man in his 70s and he's feeling as well as he does. The surgeon came in and said, we have to rush you. You know, into surgery, Mr. President, he said, are you a Republican or a Democrat? You know, I just laughed at him. You know, I just, you know all the one-liners all the way up to the anesthesia. <laughs> you know, he died another day, many years later, you know, because it, God called. He, he was called to tell Mr. Gorbachev to tear the wall down. That's part of what he's called to do. He challenged that uh, uh, unjust government, that demon over Russia, and commanded it to come down. You see what I'm saying? And so these things are real, folks. We are royal priesthood. We can speak on that level of commanding natural governments to fall. If they're not in, we can raise up natural governments for the good of God's kingdom. So this is what the devil wants to hide from us, folks. He keeps Christians begging for just a mere existence. You know what I'm saying? My thing is, if you really can't get yourself together on that, do something you can get yourself together on. You know, we can all do something for God, you know. But know who you are. You know who you are. And understand that God has called us out of darkness into a light that's marvelous. That we're a praise to him in the earth. We do good things. We do eternal things. Stick with that. Now forget this other stuff, but stick with that and God will be with you. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you for your word and for understanding and for knowledge and goodness that comes with our position in you and our position in your word and in this earth. We have it all, Lord. We have an inheritance from the Holy One. But that does come with with a lifestyle that must be pleasing to you. And we desire to please you, Lord. I don't want to cut corners with anybody, with anything. I want to half step. I want to step fully in your shoes as much as I can, Lord. And I thank you for the privilege of serving you in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. So if any